dreamers A happy scrappy group of believers So come, play a part There's room for mistakes and masses and art Who cares if there's not many takers We're doing it for the makers What's up, everybody? What words just came out of my mouth? Did you hear that? What's up, everybody? <laughs> oh, no. Just right out of the just gate. Just really killing it right out of the gate. You guys, hi. Welcome well, to the For the Makers podcast. We are so glad that you are here. Um, I am already loving this season. We, It's going to be so good. Yeah. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. It's stucked. It is. The, the list. Yeah. really is stacked. Yeah. Um, you guys, I, I hope you know who, who we are by now. Um, but if this is your first time listening to this podcast, gosh, I can't believe people don't know us. I know we're so famous. Um, no, what I meant to say was, hi, my name is Leah Beth Etheridge. I'm one of your hosts and I'm here with the one and only Rachel Gifford. Hey girl. Hey girl. How's it going? Great. You know, you did something a little earlier and I, it made me think of girl dinner. <laughs> what did I do? I don't know. You just like some, like it was like the melody of how you said something. And I went, ah, girl dinner. <laughs> That's become a fad right now. And I, yeah, I don't know. Last night I totally had a girl dinner. What'd you have for dinner? I had what? Wait, I had apples and peanut butter mm-hmm. and a chomp bar and then <laughs> I tried to soft boil eggs and I accidentally <laughs> boiled them for 25 minutes. <laughs> so they were hard boiled and I did not eat them. Yeah. But it just felt it. Anyway, it's the epitome I'm of girl. I'm so dinner. glad that that ended up coming out at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> I'll tell you what we're doing. We are here to... <laughs> interview an incredible friend and um artist and we're so so excited for you guys to meet him um rach can you uh give a little reading of his uh bio for us totally y'all this is michael sankey michael sankey is a comedian writer musician and actor based in new york city Michael has a background in improv, sketch, and character comedy from the Upright Citizens Brigade and the Groundlings. You can find him regularly performing in comedy venues across NYC, including on his solo show, Make the Cut, which uh, he performed to packed and pleased audiences. Yes. He also created the... uh, Oh, he also created and hosts Spellcheck, a game show that's a spelling bee meets try not to laugh challenge. I just laugh thinking about it. Um, Outside of comedy, Michael is also an award-winning multi-instrumentalist, arranger, and musical director, playing venues including Carnegie Hall, Boston Symphony Hall, and Berkeley Performance Center. Creatively, the medium isn't a constraint. Michael just loves using art to connect, comfort, and convict as the moment calls. Okay, that, that final sentence, beautiful, like poetry. Um, Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Oh my gosh, we're so excited to have you. Uh, as we were setting up, maybe this is why I was feeling silly and like brought up the boiled eggs, is because <laughs> <laughs> as we were setting up, Michael just... He's just one of those people that like drops 
like comedic gems just randomly. And so we were like laughing, just like trying to get through our, uh, our sound check here, not our spell check, which I didn't get the joke at first. It's spelled C H E C C. Yeah. The two C's at the end, <laughs> which is brilliant. And I go, is there a reason <laughs> that there are two C's at now, the what's end? What's the gimmick there that a spelling show would have something spelled wrong? Yeah. I'm like confused. Oh boy. Um, Michael, we know each other from, well, the three of us all know each other from The Hang. And uh, we've brought The Hang up on the podcast a couple of times before, but it's basically a Christian arts ministry here in New York. Um, but you're from Long Island. Yeah. And now you're in New York. The big city. In the big city. The Did windy you, city. The, <laughs> wait, isn't that Chicago? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely okay. not New York. Okay, so... When did you know that you wanted to? I'm always curious about people who are like close to New York City. Oh, like when did I want to? Yeah, when were you like, yeah, I want to move to New York? Yeah, so from Long Island. Yeah, I think it's always kind of in the zeitgeist of most people that weren't raised in a city to be like, oh, I want to leave this small town and live it up and travel and go to the big city and make it. And, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I definitely, I think being on Long Island, this is probably also a cultural thing for like people in Westchester or upstate mm-hmm, or even mm-hmm. New Jersey. Where it's like, this is going to sound dark. It's not meant this way. Like, dying in New York is like you've made it. Like, totally. That's the arrival point. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, just coming from Long Island, I was like, okay, so I'll probably like hop around the East Coast, find my calling, whatever. And then I'll just like, my end of my time will be uh, spent in New York. Yeah. Um, in the big city. Um, I with some Wall Street guy being mad at me for getting those reports in too late. Um, and then I pass. And that's it. And, that's <laughs> it. and then I die. I haven't yeah. thought out the details. Um, yeah. Probably for the better. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I didn't know that about like just living in the surrounding areas. That that's kind of like the mentality of it's just like that's that's the thing. Like that would be the ultimate. Yeah. Know? Well, I mean, and I think because a lot of people are what we affectionately call transplants, but it's like people who come from all over the country to be here. And I, and I find it so interesting. You said it in the way of like, the goal is to die here, to live out your last days in New York, because as transplants, quote unquote, people are like, Oh, I'm here for a season and then I'll leave and I'll go, you know, live my life in the suburbs or I'll go live my life somewhere else. And so it is kind of, it's cool to me that it feels so like, um, solid. Like the city feels very like, this is where I want to live my last days. You yeah. Know? I definitely think, um, always well, the, the weird thing first is that I like, so I thought that would always be like when I was like, Oh, like in my forties, I'll probably move to New York and then mm, like, yeah. the rest of my time will be there. However long that is. And so it was weird, like moving back to New York after like college and after work, um, to be here at like, I think I moved back in like at 23, yeah. 24. And I was like, Oh, this is, <laughs> I have a lot more time than I expected. Right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's great. But um, yeah, it, it is interesting because I always like was like, oh, if I have an L.A. thing, I maybe will spend a year in L.A. or right. I'll maybe spend a year in mm-hmm. Atlanta for a TV thing. But like I was always like, OK, I'll come back to New York. Like It's always yeah. going to be my like my rock and my stay state. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so cool. I love that. OK, I feel like I kind of want to start at the just with the first question with you, yeah. um, because you're a writer and a comedian. And I'm just I'm always so curious how you people get 
to What do you that. mean you people? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't group me. Uh, <laughs> labels. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are no types. Um, but yeah, like just how you even get into that. So the f- our first question is, what got you into the arts? Yeah. Um, it's so weird because I never thought I would get into the arts ever. So I have... Um, I'm first gen. My mom's an immigrant from Trinidad. And so Mm -hmm. um, a lot of listeners who either have like immigrant parents or even like um, East Asian, Nigerian, South Asian, Caribbean descent probably resonate with the idea of you are either a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer or a disappointment to the family. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was like, okay, doctor, it's done. And by I, I mean my mom. And so (laughs) um, kind of went through that path of like going through school, getting the top grade, saying, okay, I'm going to go to Harvard. I'm going to be a doctor. This is the path. It's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went down that path a considerable distance. Um, and then when I was, and I always like had music as a backing or writing as a backing, but it mm-hmm. was always kind of like, I feel like this is something that like all those things were for the purport of getting into a good school. Mm, like the well-roundness sure. was a guy's sure. just to yeah. be like, oh, well, I have a resume for other things. Right, so yeah, right. now let me do the one thing I, that I've yeah. been called, quote unquote, for my parents to do. Yeah. Um, and, and when did you start playing instruments? Yeah. So um, <laughs> funny story. So I was, uh, I want to say either four or five. And my older brother um, like got piano lessons because obviously he was on a similar path of like getting to a good college. People sure. like piano and violin. And so mm-hmm. piano was his. I think he also did violin, but um, <laughs> yeah. So he was playing piano and I found out very young, I had perfect pitch. <gasps> and so um, whenever he played a wrong note, I just like literally four-year-old just me drive would go, him nuts. <laughs> like yeah. whenever he plays <laughs> oh a wrong my note. Gosh. Um, oh we my are gosh. good friends. And so <laughs> we, um, yeah, so we just... Um, my parents were like, oh, we should probably get him lessons. And so, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I, music has always been, and even to this day, I love having it kind of as a therapeutic um, medium where like totally. combined with that and like synesthesia, I really like see the music. And so it's really cool to like yeah. experience it in that way and have that comfort no matter what's happening in the city, what's happening with art, what's happening with my rent being due. Like I always have that escape. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, it, it has always been that escape function, especially since I did not think of it as a career. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so had that backing, but always the goal was like, okay, you got to be a doctor. Yeah. Um, so I went to college and I, um, took intro bio and I was like, yeah, we're not doing this. <laughs> this ain't it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I think like to listeners who are in the medical field, I have so much respect for you, so much love for you. Yeah. But I also know what goes into getting to that space. And you have to be 100% yeah, convicted. Sold out. Like, yeah. I need to be here. Yeah. Um, and there, I remember, like, the point where it was 5 a.m. I was studying in a 24-hour library. And all my friends are drawing nucleotides for fun. I wish that were a joke. It is not a joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was just like, oh, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm done. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, yeah. And so then the rest of college. It's so weird having, like all of your life building toward one thing mm-hmm. and then realizing why was that my one thing? Mm. Right. And I could blame it on upbringing. Sure. But at the same time, I, I think I should have taken it on myself to figure out like, Oh, like, is this actually what's going to give me joy? Life is a long, long time. And if my goal mm, yeah. is to get into a college, okay, that's 17 years down. I have a right. long way to go. Yeah. Hopefully, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So after that I had to figure out, okay, so I have to pick another career that, 
won't disappoint my parents, but also give me some joy. And I liked math. That always resonated with me. I was good with numbers, mm-hmm. I could add. And um, I, yes, became a math major and like went into like finance business. And so I told my parents, I remember the point telling my mom on Skype, like, mom, dad, I'm going into finance. <laughs> and you would think like that's like accomplishing like yeah. fairly lucrative um, math major, good school. And I just remember my mom like holding back tears being like, Michael, you're throwing your life away. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So they did not take that news well. They did not take it well. Um, did they like come around or was it still, did it take like a long time? Um, I think when the first paycheck came in, they came around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair, yeah, fair, yeah, yeah. fair, fair. Yeah, and then I found out like how much taxes take out, and then I came around the other direction. And I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, they'll so get you. They, they yeah, will. they will. They yeah. definitely will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I um, after that, st- like I studied that rest of the path, got a nice finance job out of college, moved to DC for that job, um, and that's when things got spicy because that's when like <laughs> not spicy spicy like picante and do you yeah. know um do you know jack london's call of the wild yes yeah great book um so no. there's this dog called buck very domesticated dog okay um and it goes through his like transformation from getting like abducted as a dog to being like sold and being you know on this journey of like also abandoned in the woods and then mm. found and then that owner gets killed too also a yeah. lot of spoilers but it, it's been a book <laughs> since like the early 1900s yeah, so yeah. i don't know what Got to it. tell you yeah <laughs> um and yeah so it's this dog kind of becoming this primordial beast and um it's kind of metaphorical for like self-actualization as well of like this dog you know getting in root with its um getting in tune with its roots its instincts and mm-hmm. uh becoming a a wolf-like being that's kind of roaming free and um finding its own truth mm-hmm. um and i i think that that year in dc in finance was that year for me wow um where i was um you know i i it's a very stressful place finance um, yeah i'd imagine i know it's known for how fun it is but it's not fun <laughs> yeah. um yeah and so yeah like very common to have your days that are like you get up at 6 a.m you get into work sometimes you leave at like 2 3 it's very you know par for the course a.m not p.m and um right. yeah and so very like like socially dark spiritually dark physically dark every yeah. kind of bad yeah. is in there yeah um and yeah so i um i think i was literally like during one of my lunch breaks just like straight up praying to god like hey like what's good i'm not supposed to be here like guide me through this and i still say to myself i'm a person of faith and so like to this day i have the same prayer of like god i'm gonna need you to close some doors i'm dumb just tell me where you need me to be i will be there (laughs) i will mess up somehow i will find a way to do it wrong but like yeah make it as easy as you can for me yeah totally i will and so um yeah i um was praying during my lunch break got back and got fired immediately wow yeah what and i asked into why because i was their top earner top performer um and uh yeah they just said we just don't see it wow and that was a moment from god where i was just like wow um you made that very clear yeah Yeah. one thank you two yeah i have rent due on the 11th yeah i'm gonna need help with that yeah um yeah you're like about that prayer um Could I put a caveat? Yeah, yeah. like a writer bill of like I need a condo, like, right? Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so later that week, I, this sounds straight out of a movie. It's entirely true. Um, 
later that week, I was at a bar, um, just like, you know, eating my sorrows away. Yeah. Um, it, it's weird going to a bar when I don't even drink, but I'm like, they have good bar food, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I need exactly. to just like, I need my blood type to be mozzarella sticks by the end of this night. Yeah, yeah truly, <laughs> um, truly. Yeah, and so I um, was at the bar. They had like an open, like improv night. And uh-huh. so like an improv group went up and they're like, hey, we're short a couple people or we're just looking for some people to join us. And um, like, how about you? And then they pointed at me and I'm like, fam, I'm trying to eat my burger. Yeah. <laughs> and then they like won me over the audience. I was like, yeah, join. And so I was like, oh my sure, gosh. I'll join. And um, I went on and they were like, you're a natural. Like we have a rehearsal on Sunday if you want to join. And so that turned into a rehearsal. Rehearsals turned into shows and um, it just all came together all things come together that's how you got into comedy that's how like i wrote like a little bit recreational like i said like a little bit over time um that was the first time i ever done improv in my life oh my gosh and so it it just kind of clicked that is so cool the funny thing is like um depending on when this is put out like a a while back i'll say but it was last week for us um yeah the um i had a show it was the solo show make the cut and uh you would not believe who was there. It was someone from that bar show. No way. Who was there from that night. And he was like the one who was like calling me up. And he was oh just like, gosh. hey, do you remember me? And I, I think he lost a lot of weight or changed his hair or something because I didn't recognize him. And he's yeah. like Arlington. I was like, oh my gosh, Kevin. And he was like, Michael. And we were like, wow. Yeah. And so like I told my friends, hey, remember when I told you like I started at some bar show in Virginia? This is the guy. What? Yeah. That's okay, this insane. is a movie, Michael. Like, yeah. this, I, I would watch this in a heartbeat. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, truly, just the fact that you were, like, in a bar eating a burger, <laughs> and they're like, get on up here, and you're like, no. And then it's like a new path opened up. Yeah, it really, like, just complete shift. And it was Crazy. one of those things where... Like, like I said, I've always had that, like, thing of, like, oh, this is fun. It's not a career. And then, like, doing that and realizing how fun it was... I think it was also that combined with this was a job like finance. Like, yes, I came into college being a doctor or wanting to be a doctor. But mm-hmm. like, I think that intellectual horsepower, that acumen has always been something that I've geared up for. So I, I think of it as like that career was like 23 ish years, 22, 23 years in the making. Right. Mm. And even that I didn't have job security. So why am I yeah. worrying right now about, oh, is this a stable career when I literally worked so hard for this job was a top performer and still like was not yeah. enough. Right, right. So maybe I should just chase this thing that one, I feel like God's putting me on the path for and two, I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, And three people are telling me I'm like pretty okay at And yeah. so I'm like, yeah, let me just chase down this path, see where it goes. So um, the natural next step was like, oh, I should probably move to New York because if I want to do comedy, this is the place. If mm-hmm. I want to even do finance, this is the place. Like, right, right. There was no fundamental reason I needed to be in Virginia at that <laughs> yeah, point. Totally, so yeah, totally. So I was like, we outie. And so yeah, moved to New York. Um, had a good three months here. Pandemic Demi happened. And yes, then, yes. Um, Pandemic Demi. <laughs> yeah. And then um, during that, though, I realized that like the right people came in my life because um, mm. I came here. I did Upright Citizens Brigade. That's when I met all those people. Mm-hmm. Um, really hit it off, um, which this is an, an important reference point. I'm very introverted. I feel uncomfortable <laughs> around people most of the time. That's my default. Yeah. So it's very weird being in comedy right now yeah totally when like especially like these are people that like you probably imagine are um the life of the party they're yeah, you know the class sure. clown growing up and i'm just like the kid in the front who's like if i could bring an apple to class i would like, right that's yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally um i was definitely just a different trope there and so um yeah i found people that like made me feel at home made me feel comfortable made me feel seen 
And um, they really helped me along my journey because like it definitely like I still had a lot to learn. And totally. so I learned it there. And then um, did some stuff with the Groundlings too in terms of sketch. And um, yeah, after the pandemic, just like those connections that I made, it kind of like all wove together beautifully where like wow. um, someone I met like told me to take this workshop with him. I ended up doing it. Then he saw one of the sketches that I wrote and referred it to who's now the director of UCB or one of them. And that guy booked me for one of the biggest shows for UCB. It was called Characters Welcome. They're now an independent team. Um, and so I performed that. Um, and that was, I think my first live character performance wow. ever. Wow. Wow, Michael. Yeah. It was That's so nuts. cool. Yeah. And so they were like, Hey, like just a heads up, we'd like to put these on YouTube. Would you feel comfortable with that? And every fiber of my being was saying, no, <laughs> no. I'm yeah. a doctor. Yeah. What is happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, no, nah, I'm kidding about the doctor part. That dream already died. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, okay, sure. And they put it up and it went viral. And so like a lot of more people came my direction saying like, hey, I have this gig or hey, I have this show. And um, it kind of went from there where like I started honing like my comedic voice, my styling, um, made my one man show. That, um, the show is actually like a vignette of characters. Like it's like, it's not like a like stand up hour, for example. It's more mm -hmm. of like, you know, oh, here's some distinct characters and then right. a through line. And uh, that's actually square in the middle of it because that's how I got my start um that oh, character um cool but yeah it all um i so yeah like i was saying with the call of the wild it kind of was like this slow devolution into not yeah. devolution i'd argue evolution yeah into yep. self-actualization into the arts and um into taking my um taking going from a point when i was in finance or even in college where i was like putting my inner child frankly on life support sure yeah to like really helping grow and nurturing it into a place where i can reconcile like this upbringing that i had of like what's worth doing is worth doing well Yeah. with at the same time saying, okay, but this is a creative thing. And so there aren't really KPIs for how you perform well in sure. the arts. Um, so I give myself that accountability, but at the same time, um, I really just like let my intrusive thoughts flock, uh, run free. Run free. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah. Do you find, I'm always so interested in this because I'm an introvert as well. And it is, I think, being an introvert in artistic spaces is always kind of like, it's hard. It is kind of hard. Cause it's like, it can be very, very overwhelming. Um, but I also learned that there are like in the spaces that I'm in, at least there are a lot more introverts than I think there are. So somehow you kind of like find each other and like yeah. befriend one another. <laughs> Do you find that in like the comedy world that there are more than you thought there would be? Or is it pretty like, it's eh, a lot of extroverts. I think because I joined through introverted people, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, there's a couple and I just have to find those couple and I'm good. So like, yeah, I, I give myself guidelines whenever I go to shows even. I tell myself I'm never going to go to a show unless I know two people for sure. Like, in the show or like that you're... That will be there like oh, yeah. in the venue. Because yeah. if I go and there's no people, I'm just like in the corner pretending I'm <laughs> on my phone looking at notifications. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. all know I don't have notifications. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have friends like that. And then um, additionally, I, if I go and there's one, it's like when you're at a party, right? And there's yeah. like right. only one person there and you're kind of like, you know grabbing onto their kayak and capsizing it actively. Right, yeah, right. I don't want to do that to them, right? And so I'm like, okay, two people for that very reason. Right, right. Wait, that's so true. I have 100% done that, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so like that, for example, helps me a lot to safeguard. And then also I just like hanging with comedians also one-on-one. -on -one. I'll be like, hey, like, yeah. let's grab lunch. Let's like hang out. Let's write together. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of them are very open to that. And so we'll just do yeah. that. We'll kick it. We'll talk about life. 
Um, I love just asking people like, what's your dream? Where are you going? Like, what's your yeah. plan with all this? And um, cause it's like, I don't know if y'all experience this too, but like, it, it's weird, but you do have to kind of determine a little bit, like who's your coworker and who's your friend. Yes. Yeah. Um, because, and it's not so much of like a guarding your heart thing as much as it like is about like being like considering where you're putting your energy and your time and yeah. who you're pouring into. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to pour into everyone I encounter, but I also am aware yeah. that like I stretch myself thin very often and mm-hmm. so I have to safeguard that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I also feel like it's, um, I don't, I don't know if it's an age thing or an experience thing, but I've definitely be, been feeling that more so in the past like year or two. And I have that conversation more frequently with people in the arts that are kind of like, cause it can, it, it, the lines can get kind of blurry, yeah. which isn't necessarily a bad thing always. But when you're talking about like your own, like energy and your own, um, just like, uh, the amount of, uh, time that you have to yeah. like, it, it does, it does matter to kind of like know who your people are and who they are to you and to each other. Anyway, it yeah. sounds, it, it always sounds so like strange to me in my head, like saying that, but, but it is like, it is true. And you have to like, you just have to think about it. Yeah. Well, we encounter people all the time. Yeah. We live in the mm-hmm most one it feels like the oh, most yeah. populated city in, in the society. world yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 but like our even what we do as artists we encounter other artists all the time yeah and so being able to be like differentiate like oh i want to collaborate with this person i feel inspired when they talk to me about what they want to do i want to work on what they're working on or oh this person knows me very well we click we're really good friends or oh i know you know everybody starts to become so- pseudo categorized in your head for lack yeah. of a better term and i think that that is like if you're doing it well i think it's very beneficial <laughs> if you're if it starts to become um it can start to become like I think a fear that people have with that is like, if you compartmentalize, then you're only going to certain people for certain things rather than creating an environment where all of your people get to come together and, you know, flourish. And I mean, I think intuitively it's very antithetical just to the career of comedy of like making other people like you and making other people happy to see you. And, um, I'm very fortunate that, because that's something I really struggled with growing up, especially Mm. like being first gen, being one of the few Brown people on Long Island. Like it Mm -hmm. very much was, um, oh, I, and this, like some of it's external, a lot of it's internal mm-hmm. of like, oh, I need to get people to like me. Mm-hmm. I sure. need mm-hmm. to, um, basically play clay to whatever they want to see in me yeah. and be that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm very glad that I, I found that or discovered that part of myself and was aware of it and catered to it properly before going into comedy. Cause I yeah. know a lot of people where that's very hard for them. They struggle yeah. with like adequately pouring themselves into people and making people like them, but also leaving room for themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is definitely like if you, and this is something I was talking with a coworker about yesterday is like, if you put all of your life proverbial eggs, all of your, all of your being into the people like me basket, as soon as one person comes up and doesn't give you the job or doesn't say the right thing or offends you or whatever it might be, all of a sudden all of those eggs get dropped and you're yeah. or accidentally become hard boiled. Yeah. Or <laughs> or they they bounce. 
Like yeah. the ones that Rach made on <laughs> literally. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but they, you know, it does get to the point where it's like, you simply cannot put all of yourself yeah. into this art. You just can't do it because eventually it will disappoint you. It will. It'll, yeah. it'll, you know, people will disappoint you. The art will disappoint you. Um, but it is something to be cared for Definitely. and mm-hmm. paid attention to. So there is this like balance of like, you know, how do you put yourself out there and yet um, not put all of your um, very hard boiled eggs in that one basket? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you find that like, cause your, your story is so interesting and it's very like, uh, like a lot of things in the arts, it just kind of sounds like, oh, this happened and then this door opened and then this door opened. Are in like the comedy world and the just the writing world too, are there like ways that you know of that are kind of like the typical way to get to a certain point or is it pretty like... Like the entry points? Yeah. Yeah. Or is everybody Um, like, no, it's pretty different for each person. I'd say the entries, like, it's usually one of a couple paths. Like, either you did, like, sketch or improv or studied screenwriting in college. Mm -hmm. Or um, you just get into stand-up and you do a bunch of open mics in maybe Mm -hmm. a smaller city and then you move to New York. Usually by New York, people have their stuff together. They've been honing it for a while. They usually are from some smaller city or... Maybe like not even a smaller city, but like, oh yeah, like it's maybe a town or like a city that's like maybe like I know Dallas. I think has a really good yeah. scene. Um, mm. Philadelphia also a really great scene. Uh, Baltimore, and so then they come to New York, um, and then Got because it. a lot of the writer shops are either here or LA. Yeah. Um, some of them now it's very common to just start on YouTube or just start on TikTok and just yeah. start putting content out. Wow. Yeah. Um, and there there's always a weird thing of like especially comedy in the internet and the content space has a very wide meaning. Yeah. Um, but I. It, it's always interesting to see though like for me the litmus test has always been like okay can they hold this live because there yeah. are some people where yeah they do like tiktoks and they're funny and then you see them live and it's like oh this holds up they're very very talented they yeah. right. know how to write a joke they know how to keep an audience and then there are other situations yeah <laughs> that is not the case yeah and yeah. and it could be that they're just really good at that medium but a lot of the times it might just be like oh it's in the name of viral like virality it's sure um, in the same name of scalable content like, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I've never thought, I mean, there's like a couple people that I follow on Instagram just because I'm like, oh my gosh, these characters are hilarious. Like corporate Natalie. I don't know if you know corporate Natalie, <laughs> but she makes me laugh so hard. But like, there are those people where I'm like, oh yeah, I wonder if th- they're this funny in real life. I don't know. Yeah. And it's very common in like industry rooms or in auditions um, or in showcases where you have like a half and half where like half of them, like half of the like lineup is like TikTok famous Mm -hmm. or like has a big following. And then the other half is like seen comics, like they've done the New York circuit Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And it's very strange. Like you can never tell which ones of the like, unless you've seen that before. It's hard to tell like which ones of the um, like internet famous ones um, will hold up or not. Some, like it's very surprising because some of them yeah. crush it and then you're like, wow, like yeah. they can do both. It's really cool. Yeah. 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 It's like a whole world that's been opened up to yeah. that. Yeah. Oh different yeah. Different avenues. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can be, you know, 
I, I in thinking about like the development of comedy over like the internet first we just had SNL and like sketch comedy as like the only avenue for you to like put out comedy and widespread other than like doing stand-up shows right mm-hmm. um and then those started to get filmed and then all of a sudden Joe Schmo in his basement can be a comedian yeah. you know and put out something on the same platform as like you know uh, any other really famous comedian. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's a very, like, it gives a lot of people more access to be able to flex that muscle. Um, because I do think what you do as a comedian is so difficult as an, as an actor, <laughs> I look at comedians and I'm like, Oh my gosh, people will be like, what do you think is harder drama or comedy? And I'm like 100,000% comedy because it, it takes so much skill to be able to hold an audience and keep an audience. And so if you're not a good actor, if you can't tell stories well, if you can't engage an audience, it's really hard. But in 10 seconds on TikTok, yeah. you know, or a minute on TikTok, like anybody can be pretty funny, yeah. you know? So it is kind of interesting to see, like, hear you say, oh, some of these people are incredible and some of them just like can't can't hang can't hold it and i mean the part of it is like like you were saying i'll be like the traditional media like route um from i'd say the early 50s 60s and obviously with johnny carson who was the former host of like the tonight show before it was given to like uh leno conan leno again fallon Mm -hmm. um that was the thing like it was you do stand up like in let's say your new york clubs johnny carson notices you puts you on the show right and then you become the next seinfeld ellen degeneres um eddie murphy um, even up to the nineties, it was, you get your own show, Kevin James, Ray Romano. Right. And right. so now it's so decentralized and there really isn't that test because yeah, it's 10 second like bits sometimes, or it's right. hard to like determine, Oh, can this hold in a traditional media setting? Can I give mm. them a TV show? Like, would this kind of humor hold up? There are right. some situations where it absolutely does. And then a lot where it doesn't. And right. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to tell. And that's why usually for industry showcases, they'll never bring someone straight through. They'll still like have a live audition. It's very common. Oh yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I never thought about, or I just didn't think about how that was so common for to have like your own show, and you don't. There's nothing like that right now. I think the closest we have, or the last recent example I could think of, is uh, twenty. I want to say twenty nineteen. Uh, Rami Youssef had an HBO stand-up special called I think it was called Feelings. I want to say okay. And then uh, they gave him like a um, like his own show. Oh. I think it was on FX. I could be wrong on that. Uh, okay. It's either FX or Hulu. But um, yeah, like it was just a show about him being um, Egyptian, living in America. I resonate a lot with that show just because it's also someone who was brown in yeah. New York during 9-11. And wow. with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, really cool to see like that that pipeline still is there. It exists. Albeit still, yeah. like there are a lot of other pipelines and ways to top, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I think though for me, I always am like, what happens will happen and the pathway I need to take will be there. Yeah. I'm not too worried about how other people are getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. And that's good as it, yeah. <laughs> as you should feel. Yeah. Yeah. Well then should we go on to question two? Yeah. Cause this good. pseudo goes into what you just said. Um, sorry, I'm going to my notes. Do, do, do. <laughs> um, so why do you think the arts are important? Yeah. I, I think they're important just cause humanity is important. Like, because it's a window into people mm. like it is empathy incarnate right like mm-hmm. and it, like this goes to like every text we've read every song we've ever heard like 
it does like either it um is an opportunity to look inward like the creator is looking inward right um given their creation um it's could be that it could be or it could be like their own internal proclamation so the psalms are a great example of that sure. it could be just for the beauty and to illustrate something to the audience so that's your song of solomon or it could be like you know just to show your audience and like i was saying in, in the bio like you know connecting with them or uh convicting them or um i was in this um humor publication in college and we had this oath we would do during initiation and that is that we promised to um always uh comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted and um yeah and at first i thought i was like oh this is one of those antithesis phrases where you just reverse the words and it's supposed to sound profound but then i actually thought of it i was like oh this is actually pretty insightful and valuable yeah um yep and yeah, it, it was really cool to be like, oh, like comedy can serve a purpose more than this. And this is like your yeah. like your storytelling. This is your daily shows. This is like right. mm-hmm. things where it's like, okay, like we have comedy and we're going to use this as a vehicle to say, okay, this is a window into how I perceive and how I see the world. Right. Um, and hopefully I could make it palatable for you. And so the uh, character that I was talking about before of like this is the one that like went viral, was my break, yeah. or, um, hopefully one of many. Um, and it was... Um, I'll explain it because jokes are best explained. <laughs> um, it was basically, I think that if you find it on YouTube, it's called "Teacher Has a Token White Student," and it's basically a we reversal will put this on in the show notes. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Like it. It's basically um, a reversal on like a teacher exoticizing their student who's a minority, and mm-hmm. so it's saying, "Oh, uh, Dylan, sorry, there, there are not like a lot of white teachers here, or like a lot of white people. You are welcome here." and um, you know, just a heads up, we'll, we'll take a month to learn about white history month, but like, if you want to give a part of your culture or something, or like, I'll be like, Hey, just a heads up. There is a final set the May 29th. Um, or sorry, there is a final set the day of May 29th. Dylan, I'm going to get ahead of you this one. That is the day the farmer's market opens. So like, I'm sorry if you like observe that day. <laughs> like, I don't know if your culture, if that's a holiday, but you could bring it up to with the school board. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's kind of a reversal on that, but I love that. Um, I awesome. I made a promise to myself now to no longer read comments, but at that time I didn't make that promise, and so I read through. Yeah, and um, a lot of the comments were like, "Oh, I get it now," mm. or it was people sharing their story of like how that resonates with them of like wow. being like, "Hey, like I was the only Asian person in my class, and this is what I dealt with," or I was the only like Hispanic person, this is how I dealt, or even like I was the only white person in an international school, and mm. this is how it resonates with me. And so it was cool not only to see like the myriad of experiences that that resonates with, but also the people that like this was so foreign to them and yeah. people that were like, I'm white. I've never noticed this before. Mm. Wow. Um, and then some people were like, this is not a thing. And then like comments saying like, I would disagree. This is what I went through. And so um, mm. and sometimes that discourse is the um, the parameters of a YouTube comment thread. You would expect it to be not right. the best. Sure. Yeah. Um, not the most intellectual debate, but um <laughs> It was, I think that just the, having that discord is, is really cool just yeah. to be like, oh, like there is going to be a dialogue that's right. had from this of mm-hmm. like, how do I perceive this? What do I perceive? What don't I see? And mm-hmm. like hearing those experiences from other people. And so, yeah, I, I really think the arts are like one of the best ways to like show that window into other people. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say like the sciences, like I grew up, you know, science, math was my life. And right. so. Um, and I do think creativity is in anything. Yeah. I, I mm-hmm. definitely do. I think for me, at least the parameters I've set for myself on introspection is like, if it's something, it has to have both. It has to be internally novel. Mm. Let me think about this right. 
as being internally novel where it's like you are, you feel like you're putting your own creativity and your own mm. thing into it. It shouldn't be like if it's a TikTok part two and you're not putting any additional energy into right. it. Um, and then also it has to be externally signature. Like I have to be like, oh, this is something I can identify from this person. And that's why you see mm. when someone is, you know, doing the TikTok green screen effect and pointing at someone else's tweet. Like I would argue that's not their creativity being utilized. Mm -hmm. um, or some people might. Th those are just the definitions I've set for myself. Yeah. People could disagree. That's totally fine. Yeah. But um, I do think about that a lot of like when I'm making something of like, okay, this is like taking from myself, but also people like and of my individuality and also can be recognized as my individual. Right. Voice right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. How did you come to create or identify maybe is a better way to say it identify your personal style within comedy because you are taking you know there are very set things as yeah. far as comedy goes improv stand up sketch right yeah. you know and and those things have variations on them depending upon how you do them things yeah. like that but how did you feel like you achieved those two things within like identifying your style yeah. of comedy um, I forget who it was. I think it was a writer for Seth Myers who said they um, would write like sample monologue jokes in the styles of, or sample monologues from every host in their style. Wow. And then they see the through lines of like, oh, I always write this way or I use this kind of joke no matter what. That's unique to me. Yeah. And so like, it's important to have a general, oh, sorry. <laughs> it's important to have a general well-roundedness. Yeah. And yeah. to, especially like, cause you often have to like write for a show or sure. write for an Emmy um, monologue or something. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's important if you're going for a late night to be like, okay, I know how to write in the style of Jimmy Fallon. Like he's not going to do political jokes. He's going to keep it like more lighthearted with the jokes, a lot of wordplay. Whereas Colbert will probably do an impression of like Trump or Biden or whoever. Mm -hmm. um, Daily Show, like you are now writing for a host that's not white. You could have some fun. <laughs> sure, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but also it's good to be aware through all of that. My through line is also like seeing my own job jokes in my own style um yeah a friend a comedy friend told me that the way he's defined my style or how he perceives it is if uh if trevor noah let the intrusive thoughts win <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, which i think is very true because i do a lot of political commentary but i also have like a very dark jaded style yeah. with how i write um which comes from a very dark jaded place <laughs> yeah. now i'd say i'm better but at that time then i just kept the style it just worked for me yeah. Um, and so sometimes I write for like a monologue pack and I have a joke that's like so good. And it's like, like I'll, I'll give an example of a joke that I wrote for a pack and someone was like, this is one of the funniest jokes I've ever read. And it was, um, this was with the US News about um, one of the drones taking out one of the top Syrian generals, which it was perceived at the time as the threat. And so I wrote a joke that was like, <laughs> Trevor Noah, but let the intrusive thoughts win. In, oh a, in a nutshell, if we need to censor this part of the podcast, that is totally, totally okay. I'm like, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, we could like pixelate the, the joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just have the laughs at the we'll end. Bleep it out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Can you imagine? It's like when people on a video sing Beatles songs or something. Right. 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 Um, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. No. But yeah. um, just to say to the point of like. So I wrote that and um, I had a deadline around the corner for writing a packet for James Corden. And obviously y'all could imagine there's no timeline where he says that joke. Yeah. Right. There's no, right. he will be in cats too before. He right, says yeah, right. 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 Um, <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. He'll be in cats too. <laughs> <laughs> you had to bring oh, up meow, cats. Meow. But, yeah. 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 Uh, meow but, is correct. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, it's like you have to know like which voice to write for. And so it's good to have that general well-roundedness, but also specialize in what makes you, you, because mm-hmm. at the same time, um, the goal is maybe for one to become their own late night host or right. to have their own stand-up specials or whatever. And so you need to know, okay, what, what are you drawn to in terms of right. joke writing? What do you mm-hmm. find funny? Cause I've seen people try to do an alt style or a different style that's not theirs, but they find very, or they find very formulaically pleasing and like this gets reps, I will do it. And right. then they do it and it feels like not inauthentic. So that's not the right word, but like, um, yeah, kind of just like calculated? put on and calculate. Yeah. yeah, that's the word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just like, okay, they are doing this as a choice. They, this doesn't necessarily resonate with them and it shows in the performance of it as well. Um, yeah. 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 That's so interesting. Cause I guess in some senses it does, there is a lot of calculating that happens when you're writing jokes, but you can't let it show. <laughs> yeah, no, the, um, I think the best standups, at least that I've seen are the ones that, um, have it all calculated in their head, mm-hmm. but it, you can never tell. Because like tell. good stand-up feels off the cuff, right, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. Um, and then you're like, oh, I love how they like just thought of that. But it's like, no, they wrote they, that bit They know yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Even um, crowd work's a great example. That always goes viral on TikTok now. Like mm-hmm. stand-up crowd work, which is yeah. that's a whole other uh, behemoth <laughs> of a weird scenario. It's fine. It's just so funny to me the fact that like they spent all this time writing this material, and their break ends up being them like riffing with an audience member right. on the cuff off the cuff like and truly just like most of the time roasting this yeah. this audience member yeah. and there's some like i will say there's some that like are so good and then i'll say there are like 95 percent of them that are literally just like so what do you do for work i'm in sales oh what do you like you're a salesperson you sell things that's unusual <laughs> look at this yeah, weird yeah, boy yeah, yeah, yeah. The, Sell, sell me this pencil haha <laughs> wolf of wall street like yeah. it's just the most like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. oh and okay like, five million views yeah um but I, I just find it funny that and that's not to knock that it's just to say it's funny because they do spend all this time outside of it writing material that right. ends up not getting the break <laughs> totally like, right yeah but um yeah yes yeah. uh it's a time <laughs> it's it, a time I thought it, I think it's so cool that you bring up the window the window into that person because what you just described and like your own personal style and how you develop that really shows a window into who you are yeah. and like what kind of person you are and how you function within um, this world and I think that that is like you bring up you know the comments on your video on YouTube that is it allows I think for maybe the window for and to use another metaphor. Oh, uh, displaying yourself through the window of comedy allows for other people to maybe open their window a little bit and yeah. allow for conversation where there might not have been a conversation before, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's so cool that something that will make you laugh, I think immediately, at least it does for me, mm-hmm. brings down my walls. And yeah. I see that happen in so many other people where it's like, oh, that's really funny. And then I think about it more later. I'm like, Oh wait, that was actually really deep or that was really, that really impacted yeah, me. Comedy is a great Avenue to expose truth that like it is needs yeah. to be exposed. or yeah. just like, or it's a, it's a, um, it, uh, Oh, it's very disarming. Very. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's a very disarming way to expose truth. Yeah. Yeah, because there's like there are jokes where like you laugh and then you think about it, and then there are jokes where you like are like, oh, like yeah, 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 oh yeah. 
Um, okay, I think we need to keep keep on keeping on. <laughs> I know. Um, oh, such yeah. an interesting conversation. It really is. Okay, Michael, what keeps you grounded as a human? What keeps me grounded? Uh, um, rent being due, probably. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, honestly, always humbling. I don't think. Yeah, I I don't think I've really had that issue. For me, it's always actually been the converse. What has kept me ungrounded? Like because mm. like my default's been the ground. Like yeah. because I've been in a, such a analytical career. Like wow. coming up and um yeah it so that that's never been really my issue. I've always been very I'd say um calculating and very kind of. Um, self-aware of mm-hmm. like where I am, where I'm going, yeah. how do I get there? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think I've kind of just been grounded just by virtue of that. Um, I think what's kept me ungrounded is just the company. I keep being around mm-hmm. people that are very, you know, that you could just like riff off. You could have that right. easy energy and not worry about like how they perceive you, how they view you. Yeah. Especially like you can imagine prior careers, like, that are very analytical, very quantitative. It's very easy to feel like you're on a tightrope with people and right. very much like I have to watch exactly what I say mm-hmm. um, because the corporate environment be political sometimes. You yeah, know? definitely. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say like the real world isn't. It absolutely is. But I, I think it's just about finding that company and finding the people that you could share your heart with and not worry about um, how it's perceived or how it's interpreted. Um, but like that, those are like find your group that like sees your intent as well as your impact and can see yeah, sometimes really past good. your impact so that, you know, they could see where you're coming from because, and it's even a advice with just like joke writing or probably any creative outlet of like finding people that aren't just like, Oh, this is not good, but also could see the second layer of like, you don't have to take their advice or feedback quantitatively of like, I need to do this exact change to my pilot scripts, but it might just be like them saying, okay, I see what you're going for here. Right. Um, especially coming up from like UCB or the Groundlings, like I think probably in drama and like other spaces, yeah. this is a common thing. I'd say there are two types of teachers. There, especially when providing feedback, there yeah. is the one type where it's the teacher who sees, let's say your script or your sketch or whatever, and they say, this is good. Let's make this the, like, let's make the best possible thing though. Right. Let's make it as good as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a the second type of teacher and that's the teacher that says, okay, this script is good. I see exactly what you're going for. Let's max out in that direction. Mm-hmm. So it's like almost a V best versus your best. Right. And it, mm-hmm. I know some people like feel one way or the other. I lean way more to the latter. Mm-hmm. I think that, especially when you have to think about your voice, your style, and especially for a lot of things, it's I have to end up performing it. Right. I think about yeah. what is true to me, what is true to my style, what is true to like, what do I want? Like, let's say a Netflix exec to read and like, how do I want them to perceive me as well um, right. as a creator, as a writer? Right. Yeah. That's so interesting because as like actors, we think about going into the room and it's not... Um, it's not booking the role. It's just booking the room. Like it's like, it's, uh, making sure they get a sense of who you are, not necessarily who you are in this role, like at least for an initial audition. So it's kind of interesting that that across the board, like what you're saying right now is like, it's basically the same way of like, we just, you just want them to get a sense of her, like who you are. Um, yeah. I and I have a lot of performer auditions where people are like, oh, the judge is like this, do this. And I'm like, 
Yeah, but that I like it. It will feel forced. It will mm-hmm. look forced. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Then that will you can't cater demand. to everybody. Yeah. yeah. Or else, like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. But I think yeah, you have to cater to yourself first in the room and yeah. like show them. Oh, this is what this is what you're getting into. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Just, just a sad boy. <laughs> this is what you're getting into. Just a sad into. boy trying to pay rent. <laughs> yeah. Right. Literally. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Always comes back to rent. Always comes back Always. to rent. Great musical. Terrible financial obligation. Truly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Say that, say that. (laughs) Oh, real. Okay, Michael, question number four is what person, place, or experience has shaped you the most creatively? I think they've always been non-creative things that have shaped me. That's great, that's awesome. That one week that I mentioned before of like losing the financial job, getting into improv, getting that first improv rehearsal up and going, like that week was so like just shattering in a good way yeah or it's just like obviously a big part of that was i was in a career that's like white collar take yourself very seriously mm-hmm. and then after that i'm literally making hee-hees for drink tickets like <laughs> right right it's so different <laughs> where yeah. it's like you only like the win scenario in one is to be as buttoned up and as professional and the win scenario in the other is to just be silly and be yourself right. and show that part to people yeah. yeah um where's the other one that will get you fired immediately yeah um yeah but yeah so that that was very formative i think the other one yeah again they're not really inherently creative i think a lot of mine that would be fueling me creatively are ones that are affirming oh you can do this oh this is a career mm-hmm. oh this makes sense for you and so um two that come to mind immediately one is um so my mom's from trinidad that whole side of the family still lives there Mm. and we were um whatsapp calling them uh one time and i remember chatting with my cousin um because they saw the youtube video of that character (laughs) and i remember chatting with them and they're like this is really funny and then i remember my cousin saying like i'm really glad someone in the family is like going for a creative career wow like just glad someone's doing it you know because it's like I, I don't want to make a larger thing of like reading into what he said, but at least this is how I read into it of like, there's just so much like, there's just a system that's not made for us. It's yeah. made for like, there, there are people that are able to get the better end of them vis-a-vis society. And then there's more likely the latter, which is like, okay, we are imaginative, creative, um, analytically sharp individuals as we grow up. And then we are chiseled away until we are just a shell that's, um, holding up a societal end. Mm. That's, oh, yeah. Yeah. that's capitalism for you. Yeah. I mean, that's other constructs. That's not just capitalism. But right. um, beyond that, I was like, okay, like I was halfway down that path and then I switched. And mm. it, I think that moment talking with my cousin really hit home of like, oh, wait, like this is like me getting out. Yeah. yeah. And I do truly perceive it that way of like, like I like to think I have a break, but even if I don't, of like, yeah. at least I'm trying for it because yeah. I've seen the family, like the generations, not try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and being careers that they like either were passionate about or very analytical, but also still serving a societal end and feeling like they had to mute themselves, mm. or that they're even worse, not passionate about it, and that it's even more muted because then their passions are muted. Right. And, mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge proponent of like where God calls us should be the nexus of our experiences, our passions and our skill sets. Mm. And so I I think by virtue, it's not always going to be a creative career for everyone, but it should always involve creativity Mm. for everyone. Um, Because if it doesn't, then you're not using your passion. 
Right. Like, cause then there's no Ooh. you in it. Right. And yeah. So, That's um, good. Michael. <laughs> I know. It's dropping good. heat. Um, yeah. yeah. But, and so I'm very fortunate that for me, I found that thing. Yeah. Um, not that it's like before it's too late. I don't think there's a too late, but I also think like, I'm also very fortunate because I do, like I said, I'm a huge proponent of faith and I'm a huge proponent of these, like what happens happening for a reason. Yeah. And so to that end, I'm very fortunate that, um, that I had those experiences that I know almost are functionally a checkoff gun that they haven't been used yet, yeah. but that like, I know mm -hmm. down the line, these are going to come in handy. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's a stretch for one to imagine how having a business background would be useful in the creative world. <laughs> yeah. 100%. <laughs> but, yeah. um, yeah, I, I just know that those things, um, like even I, um, the, like the hedge fund life, I literally, Right now I'm writing out a new pilot spec about that or pilot script around like my time there and like mm. that experience. And so it's really cool to be like, oh, this is an opportunity for me to offer an audience a window into the ultra rich. Right. And like what it's like for someone from an economically disadvantaged background being around people, <laughs> people that are like, what do you mean you haven't had Ethiopian food before? Like, yeah, like yeah, it's like yeah. a very common thing. Um, <laughs> for the readers, it is very good. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, like it was really... Um, cool to be like okay i've had this experience and this is how like i can now feel it into creative thing and this right. is how like now i'm in a space where i could use everything that like has fed into my life to this point mm -hmm. um the influences the experiences the passions the skills and be like okay this is like um are you all familiar with the concepts of embodiment mm -hmm. yes like the idea that like we as humans should work to converge our outer self with our inner self, yeah. like how people perceive us with how we are internally. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that like, as we mute those things, it becomes harder. So mm -hmm. the fact that I'm able to use those passions, those experiences, those skills, um, I think it brings me to that point of like self-actualization to actualization of purpose and calling from God mm -hmm. um, to actualization of who I could be for the people around me. Yeah. 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 Oh, so good. Michael, you are dropping some good nuggets in this I podcast. Know. I'm going to have to go back and when I listen, take notes. You're also yeah. going to have to edit out a lot of ums. I have been. <laughs> oh, no, we're all <laughs> culprits Lots of that. ums and Don't likes and Don't even worry about it. Yeah. Okay. Our very last question is what book, play, or film do you think every person should read or watch? It can be outside of that too. The Bible. No. Um, the, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think um, two books that helped me. I will not say this; these will help other people, but they helped me a lot. Yeah. Because um, they, they are in the self, like they're very, I'd say fairly humanist, but also like self-help vein. Hey, Which listen. not for everyone. I enjoy them. Um, one of them is, this was when I was switching. I think it was in that week or the month after. I read this book called Milking the Pigeon. Um, it's by Alexander Hein, I want to say. H-E-Y-N-E. -E. I don't know if it's Hein or Hein. But okay. um, it was basically like, I think the subtitle is like making the most of your 20s or something. But I do mm. not think it's proprietary to 20s. I think the idea that he's working to capture is just when you're in a pivotal part of your life where you're trying to figure out who you are and where you need to go and how do I get there. Yeah. Um, mm. And there's just a lot of really good knowledge nuggets in there about like, oh, there's no true roadmap. And especially in a creative career, there's absolutely no yeah. roadmap. Yeah. Um, and so it's so funny being on talks or hearing people interviewed being like, Hey, how do I break in? How do I do this? And yeah. as if there was just going to be one unique answer of, Oh, you, you bring go like under this the bridge. To, yeah. You go under you the bridge, you give this to the post office and then yeah. they give you your writer job. Yeah, exactly. Um, Cause there are so many ways and you can learn like, and this is not to say that's a bad question. You could still learn from other people's experiences. That being said, um, it's really just going to be whatever's true to you. And, yeah. Um, whatever mm -hmm. path you find one 
available to that resonates with you and your thing. Cause I know for a fact that like there are a lot of people that go through the, like the internet famous route where they yeah. are like, I will just make a bunch of videos on TikTok. Um, and I get anxiety from that kind of thing that <laughs> I'm very perfectionist. Totally. So I do not feel comfortable putting on social media, at least now mm-hmm. this might change in the future. But for now that kind of gives me a level of like, Oh, like I'm very, I feel very exposed right totally, now. Yeah, totally. yeah. Um, whereas doing that in a basement for 20 people, I feel very fine with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think um, that epiphany of like, oh, there's no roadmap, you know, find whatever resonates with you. And there's a lot of other great stuff about finding out what is your passion. Another great book on that front. I think it's, I think his name's Larry Smith. He has a middle initial that he uses. <laughs> but Larry, Larry, it's hard to remember. I, yeah, I think it's a W. It, Larry Smith, he's a professor, I, I believe University of Toronto. Um, and it's called No Fears, No Excuses. And it's mm. basically... Um, I love that it's so just universal. It does not matter if it's for a creative career. It does not matter if it's for an analytical career. Yeah. It says regardless, you have to figure out your passions. And your passions can be in an analytical thing. It could be in a non not inherently creative career, but it should still leverage your creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first half of the book is about like finding what that thing is mm-hmm. and saying here's how you properly prepare for it. And it should not be something that's like, oh, this is a spark of the moment interest thing. Sure. But it's also not something where you're so passionate that you go in over your head and don't actually do the homework on yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. Um, Cause believe you me, I know um, a lot of comedians, as you can imagine, are going in and not doing the proper homework and sure. they have that classical energy and that's very funny, but then they have the second, uh, they have their second mic or the second show and they need new material. And then it's hard for them to um, rally their work ethic and put that together. Yeah. Um, so that's the first half of the book. The second half of the book is, um, the actualization and the realization mm. of those goals and saying, okay, this is how we quantify it. This is how we make this happen. Yeah. Um, and these like it really great resources in that book mm. just to say like, Oh, you should reach out to people. You should do these things. And um, speaking of like goal, um, this is one that just comes up right now to me. One about finding meaning of life and for goals. Um, even if you're not someone of faith, I love this book. It's actually not one of faith, but it's about uh, Victor E. Frankel was, um, in the Holocaust, it was a survivor. And he wrote this book, Man's Search for Meaning. Yes. And that's such a good book of like, just even outside of like thinking of the larger purpose, just thinking about how do I make this tangible for me today? How do yeah. I make smaller goals for me to actualize so that it doesn't become something I procrastinate. It doesn't become something I'm anxious about. It just becomes a um, thing on Google's Google Maps where I have to do all these turns first before I right. get there. Right, right, <laughs> totally. Um, and yeah, I, I'd say like those three really resonate with me. Um, in terms of like artistic things, I think everyone should watch. Um, the B movie's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoy it. <laughs> I truly, I kind of, I kind of saw the smile before the joke, and I was like, "What's it gonna like, be?" Oh, no. Could not have guessed that one. <laughs> no, this is what LB was saying before about like the drama and the comedy coming together, because there is some drama of it. Of like, if I really wanted to sell that joke properly, I should have kept a straight face the whole time, and I could not. I can't tell you though what brings me, I, it, what joy it brings me to like see people find themselves funny before. Tell, tell, tell about your dad. Tell oh yeah, does. my dad. My dad. I love. Like if I look at him, I know, and he's got like a kind of like a little smirk on his face. I'm like, oh boy, oh no, Todd's gonna Todd's gonna drop a joke. Um, but yeah, the um, yeah. So like, I feel like just there are a lot of creative works that like, I don't know. It's just hard to pick like one. Like because yeah. I love. 
the thing is, and this is something I really look up, people I really look up to are people like Don Glover and Jordan Peele, people that are like outside yeah. the mm-hmm. medium of like, because for me, the fun part of comedy, my favorite part at least, is the puzzle of being like, oh, is this better as a sketch? Is this better as yeah. a um, a comedic music video? Is this better as a stand-up joke, an improv set, mm-hmm. right? And then, um, but I love that, that, or even a short humor piece. And then there are those people that could zoom out beyond that. Like Donald yeah. Glover's like, is this better as a music video? Is this better as a rap? Is this better as a spoken word? Right. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's my longer goal. It's like, yes, my cool. short terms are like, I would love to be on late night. I'd like to be on these shows. I'd like to write my own show. But then I want the puzzle to expand to beyond medium. Yeah. So because yeah. I have that music background, those kinds of things. Um, yeah, those are things yeah. I just really enjoy of like being like, oh, it, like the medium doesn't matter. I just want people to feel and I want mm. the best, like I want to, there's that destination I don't not want to be forced to use this bridge if there's a better route. Right, mm-hmm. right. Well, I mean, oh, you have so that good. perfectly written in the very final sentence. Can of you your read bio. it again? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, creatively, the medium isn't a constraint. Michael just loves using art to connect, comfort, and convict as the moment calls. I love that. As the moment calls. I love it. Thank it's you, just yeah. so good. Well, I'm not going to convict every moment. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gee, that would be a time, I'm just like doing my stand up set and I'm like, yeah, so what else? What else? Uh, I'm, I'm going to leave you with this. Y'all are our sinners. Repent. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. And then you just drop the mic and go. That's how it works, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Michael, this has been such a crazy good conversation. <laughs> Thank you for being on our podcast and just chatting with us. But um, before we um, sign off, uh, your Make the Cut is just kind of, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep keep coming back yeah right? we've had a soft close but so it's okay. like for the foreseeable future but i am working on my um new solo show right now just writing it it's about kind of the the purgatory i live in of being like one a long island new yorker now being biracial being like yeah in this place where i'm not x enough but also racially ambiguous where like we were talking about literally on the train here people were like like a group of people said hey are you jewish like out of like solidarity i'm like i'm sorry fam i'm, I'm not yeah and or like literally two weeks ago someone was asking me for directions in spanish and to the viewers listening um, I'm not Hispanic. And so, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, just kind of living in this, you know, societal purgatory on so many levels. Yeah. Um, so I'm working on that show right now. It's still in writing, but yeah, I currently have oh. that show make the cut. It's around high school imposter syndrome. It's, uh, an hour long, uh, time of guffaws, chortles and teehees. <laughs> I love teehees. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, okay. So where can we find you on socials, uh, so that we can follow along, make sure we don't miss anything. Yeah. Um, so you could find me at michaelsenke.com is my website. You could also find me. Um, oh, and also there's a crosser on the website if you just want to have fun. Like I just, I write <laughs> yes. crosswords for fun in the free time I don't have. So just check that out. It's a good time. And then I also have, um, uh, Instagram. It's, um, I was like, is it called X? And I was like, nope, wrong one. And, <laughs> Instagram. Um, yeah. Instagram. It's at Michael Sankey, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, sank like the Titanic and then a Y. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. That is the best guidance for a last name spelling I've ever heard in my life. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. If you're in NYC, give Michael a follow. Don't want to miss his next show. I 
am praying that I'm in town for the next one because I keep being out of town. <laughs> like every time Michael has a show and I'm like, oh my gosh. I know we were at a it's wedding. becoming its own comedic bit. We were at a wedding this past week when Michael had his show and literally all of us that were on the trip were like, Michael's show is this week. We're I like, know. no. Like, yeah, but yeah. We'll, we'll catch the next one. Hopefully we'll see you guys there. Yes. All of our gentle listeners. Um, yeah. you, you don't want to miss Michael and all the amazing things he's doing. Buddy, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. We really me. appreciate it. You guys, we, um, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the For the Makers podcast. To find out more about Seated Productions, you can visit our website at www.seatedproductions.com and follow us on Instagram at seated.productions. And if you love what we do and want to support us, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or by following the link in our podcast description. Until next time, listen well and tell stories.